Welcome to Table 86, a podcast centered on creatives of color who are disrupting the food and beverage industry. I'm your host, Gio Darwin. Let's take a seat. Welcome to Table 86 podcast. At the table today, we have the illustrious <laughs> Dia Barry Mitchell. Uh, yay! She, yay! She is the <laughs> author of the book, Cornbread and Collard Greens, How West African Cuisine and Slavery Influenced Soul Food. And she is also one of the masterminds behind the Soul Food and Black History bus tour from Dallas. It's called The Soul of Dallas. So thank you so much, Dia, for being here. Dio, thank you so much for having me. So I know we've been friends on the gram for some time. It's Instagram and yep, social yep. media. So I'm glad like we can be friends in real life now. I know. I know. I can't wait to hang out with you. <laughs> yes. Yes. When you come to Philly. That's uh, so right. I know you are a Texas girl. You currently reside in Houston or Dallas. For the most part, I've been in Dallas, but I have recently moved to Fort Worth, which is like a neighboring city of Dallas. Now, where are you originally from? I'm originally from a very small town called Sherman, Texas. It's actually a lot closer to the Oklahoma border than it is to Dallas, but most people say it's north of Dallas. But it's about 15 minutes from the Red River, if you're familiar with that. Okay. Um, Yeah, so really, really close to Oklahoma border and about an hour north of Dallas. Got it. So it's like an hour north of Dallas. And I've heard that like... There are some differences between North Dallas and South Dallas and in the different areas. Yep. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Have so you culturally, ever been to Dallas? I've only been to Dallas like passing okay. through. Like um, a layover or something? Uh, yeah, like I was there okay. for like two nights for work. So I didn't really get to experience gotcha. Dallas. Yeah, as you mentioned, the culture of Dallas period is very, very different than it is, say like in Houston or even mm-hmm. Fort Worth. So even though we're all in Texas, Each of those cities has like a very distinct vibe and a feel. And even within Dallas, each of the little sub communities within Dallas, Mm -hmm. um, they're all very, very different. So yeah, it's like a mixed bag. Nice. So culturally, like what's the feel? Like I hear a lot about Austin and being very laid back. Yeah. What's the feel of Dallas for those who are going to go visit? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You put me on the spot. I would say. Okay, so Dallas, I always tell people, I actually lived in Houston first before I moved to Dallas. And coming to Dallas, Dallas felt a lot more formal. So Houston, to me, felt a lot more laid back, you know, not necessarily a bad thing because a lot of my family is in the Dallas area, but it's definitely a go-getter city. It's got a lot going on. It is true. Everything is bigger. And They say Texas, but I swear to God, it's Dallas. So uh, Dallas is a really, if you hadn't noticed, go big or you go home. So they just like shiny things. They like the best of everything. And what is the food scene like in Dallas? Ooh, you know what? I got a rep for my city because it was like named one of the top cities for restaurants. Okay. Um, It'll come to me later. Sorry. But yeah, and I can reference the magazine because I shared it. And I was like, oh my God, Dallas, way to go. <laughs> um, rah, rah. So <laughs> Dallas, it's very unique in that obviously we're in Texas. So we have barbecue and beef. You know, it's very, very big here. Right. So you have your barbecue purists 
And then you have people who are like traditional, quote unquote, Southern food, whatever you think of when you recall Southern food, uh, we have that. Now, have you seen that blossom since you've been there, you've moved away, you've moved back? Uh, is it much different than when you were there previously? You know what? It It is different. What I really like right now is that a lot of people are becoming really comfortable with Southern food. You can find it a lot in any place that you go to in the South. Mm -hmm. But I like that Dallas is trying to put their own stamp on it. And, you know, sometimes it's traditional, sometimes it's non-traditional. You can find pretty much anything across the board here, whatever kind of floats your boat. And that's what I like about it. The vegan scene is really, really hot right now in Dallas. I appreciate because I always tell people I'm a flexitarian. Um, <laughs> I go I go hard for my vegans because, you know, I believe in everyone's right to choose whatever they want to eat, basically. And, yep. if, you know, being vegan makes you feel good. I'm all for that. I know now you are a part of that food scene. So in February of 2018, you started your Soul Food and Black History bus tour. Yeah. the Soul of Dallas, right? Yep. It's such a innovative idea. Uh, Thank you. And Thank it you. feels very it. necessary, uh, yeah. uh, which is one of the things that drew me to you specifically. So I'm just curious how that idea was birthed. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for that, by the way. I'm really humbled by your <laughs> word. That makes me feel really good. Um, I think it started when I like to travel. And when I travel, I always do some sort of a tour. So mm -hmm. You know, I might do a food tour or sometimes I will like to do a history tour, a walking tour. I'm always finding something like that to get into. And I was visiting. I don't remember. This is where it gets a little, because a couple of years ago, I spent a lot of time in both Atlanta and New Orleans. So that's where it kind okay. of gets a little murky. So in one of those cities <laughs> I was in, I remember vividly thinking I didn't want to have to choose, you know, because both of those cities obviously have so much food history yep. and so much culture. I didn't want to have to be torn into choosing between what I wanted to discover about the city. And so I thought, you know what, it would be really dope if somebody had both of those in one. Like if I could visit all of these great restaurants that are black owned in Atlanta that have done something for the community or that were involved with political advocacy. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. I would really love to visit that and kind of delve into the history of it. And then at the same time, visit some cool spots along the way that could really show me more about the city, black culture specifically. So I took that idea and I molded over and I thought, um, I have experience with planning events. I had done actually the first ever brunch festival. I planned the first ever brunch festival for North Texas specifically. Okay, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, and so it was the first one ever. And then after that, everybody started doing them here. I like <laughs> to say I brought it to the, you know, brought it to the forefront, but whatever. That's another story for another day. Um, yeah, so my experience was in events. So I felt really comfortable with my background with planning something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I felt like I needed a partner to kind of help wrangle everything together, right? So I reached out to my girl, Dalila Thomas, who is an exceptional writer. She writes here in Dallas, and she's also a former producer for a local TV station here. Oh, we nice. were friends. Yeah, and I reached out to her and basically told her I, I would love to work with her in that capacity, told her the idea. 
and told her that my vision was that she could manage the restaurant aspects and then I would manage the historical piece and we would merge them together for the tour that we called the Soul of Dallas. Nice. So I know obviously it is part Black history uh-huh. and part soul food. Um, yeah. I read that it is mostly or all Black-owned restaurants who yeah. are featured on the tour? Yeah, for the most part, they are Black-owned restaurants. Sometimes we do make an exception and we feature restaurants that are doing something within communities with mainly people of color. Okay. Um, so we do make some exceptions, but they're very small. For the most part, we love to highlight restaurants that don't normally get a lot of recognition. And we also love to say that it's just history, but it's shown through the lens of blackness, you know, through our own culture. But it's just history when it all boils down to it. Now, is that history centralized in Dallas or it's kind of covering the African diaspora, the African-American experience? So it's local history within Dallas. So everything that we show people will be something that has a local spin to it. So maybe a story that they've never heard of, or say, for example, there is a park, what's named park, it's called a park, but when you go to it, it's actually a cemetery here in uh, in the Dallas area. And a lot of people don't know the background of the cemetery, where it came from and how it developed. And so I talk a lot about the history of that and just how it came to be. We talk a lot about Freedman's Towns in Dallas because Dallas at one point had one of the largest Freedman's Towns. I think there were upwards of 33 smaller Freedman's Towns. I didn't know that. Yeah, in Dallas. So a lot of them and Dallas, fortunately for us, has preserved a lot of that history. Obviously not nearly enough, <laughs> right? but you know they are working to preserve some of it. So that has worked in our favor in terms of allowing us to showcase that to different people on the bus. Nice. Nice. So I know that kind of leading up to this, you have been a food historian and you wrote your book. Uh, Mm -hmm. How much of that writing has influenced the creation of this endeavor? Wow. You know, I consider myself, I'm definitely still growing within my craft. It's a subject that I love tremendously because it obviously merges two things that I love food that I've grown up with my entire life. You know, my family has been involved in the restaurant business when Mm -hmm. I was a a lot younger. So I've no food, it's in my blood. And then also history. You know, I get that from my mother who was a a huge history buff. And I grew up on weekends at museums. So (laughs) unlike most kids that were kind of outside, I was kind of at a museum with my mom learning about history. So all that being said, I'm definitely still growing within the craft. So every day is like a new adventure for me whenever I find something else out new. But as far as how it has influenced the bus, I think when I originally had this idea, I thought that the bus tour would be my book, like my book on wheels, basically. I see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was my original kind of a concept that I had, but it has kind of taken a different twist, you know, which is great. I love Mm -hmm. that it's kind of developed its own legs and it's kind of taken its own turn. So yeah, I think if that answers your question, it started out one way and it kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah, no, that definitely answers my question. And I mean, kind of segueing to your book itself, I know your history, just like you said, this started out as one thing and transformed into something else. That's kind of the story of your career, right? You started out like (laughs) turning for the NFL. Oh my God, that's perfect. Yeah, Um, I don't think I've ever thought about it like that, but yeah, my entire life, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so I know you started out working for the NFL. 
correct? And then you segued into food writing, which I think is really unconventional. Uh, how yeah. did that happen? Yeah. So I majored, I was a double major in undergrad. I did have an internship that I used at the NFL and so with the Super Bowl specifically. So I helped with that planning Super Bowl 45 that actually took place in Dallas. So yeah, I always had like this sort of, and I did events there. I was an event manager for the NFL Super Bowl. So I always had event management kind of in my blood. I like the aspect of logistics and kind of doing things like that. But at the same time, as I mentioned before, I also liked food, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, food and the preparation of food was my way of kind of, it was very cathartic for me. And then how that transpired was that, so with the NFL, I did that. And then the same time I was doing that, doing the internship, I also had a job working for a private university in Dallas and I lost my job. So I got laid Mm. off. And after I got laid off, the one thing that I knew how to do was to cook and make food look pretty on a plate. (laughs) Um, And I also like to talk and I like people. So I started teaching people out of my home cooking classes. And not only cooking classes, I showed people kind of how to plan a party. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. And from that, that started my YouTube show, Entertainment with Dia, which was, yeah, you can still find old episodes, but they're, <laughs> they're uh, yeah, they were when I was growing. I'll just say that. And then <laughs> after that, I gained an opportunity to teach professionally for William Sonoma and kind of honed my craft a little bit more and kept working at it. So yeah, I've always kind of been involved in food in one way or another and also logistics and event planning. Uh, that just kind of depends on you know, what I feel like when I wake up sometimes. I just feel like it'll go either way. So I know with your book that I was reading some things about it, some reviews, and they said that you have some great recipes and you provide some history of the recipes. Yeah. And I'd be interested to know what food has the most interesting history to you and mm. why? That's a really good question. I think I would probably have to say biscuits and I'm kind of hesitating and just bread in general. And then just to highlight that, I always tell people, you know, my book is definitely a beginner's guide. I know that's something that I always try to let people know if you're looking for something that has like an expansive history, then definitely, obviously, there are some wonderful books out there right now. But this one, as it is, being a beginner's guide, I kind of like that I touch, I'm able to touch on a lot of different subjects and kind of break them down so that people are able to understand them and comprehend them. And that being said, I would say the information about the bread. And so I speak a lot about how bread originally developed, obviously, like a lot of things in Africa. And so I talk about injera, injera bread, excuse me and the spongy texture of it. And then from there, we talk about biscuits and how biscuits originally were developed. And a lot of people couldn't afford flour, you know? Mm -hmm. That wasn't something that a regular person could just go into their cabinet and pull that out. And so the different ingredients that were used, like sweet potatoes, for example, to make bread and the different ways that people would use that. And then also another reason why the biscuit section is my favorite is because I'm actually not a good baker. I don't think of myself (laughs) as a baker. And that recipe I'm really, really proud of because 
it's like the only biscuit recipe that I've ever done and I will put my name on it. I'm very excited about it. So yeah. That's awesome. So one, I didn't know, like you just gave a brief history of bread. I didn't know that sweet potatoes were used for bread. Um, yeah. And do you see, obviously- or used as, a, as an ingredient. For as an ingredient. Bread. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess another question I have is, do you see that influence across other cuisines as well? Most definitely. And I think it's give and take. You know, I talk about that in my book as well. The fact that obviously we need to pay respects to West Africa and how a lot of the foods that we eat and a lot of the way that we prepare foods are direct throwback to West African cuisine specifically. But I do feel like at the same time, there were a lot of contributions from other places that were very unique, such as Europe. You have Italy and Great Britain. And also, what are some other, oh, even Native Americans. So I know that's obviously America, but you know, just the way in which the different natives contributed to the foods that we eat today, like corn and things like that, mm-hmm. I think is a beautiful thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So we take the history part of like U.S. history and African history, but Mm -hmm. then how much of your personal history and your own upbringing influenced what you wrote in that book? Yeah, that's actually my favorite part. I personally think my book is unique in that I share some recipes that I developed that are non-traditional takes on food items that are typically found within soul food cuisine, you know? But I also like the fact that I also share personal stories about my family and my memories that are associated with different foods, as well as the history aspects. So it's kind of like a third and a third and a third of everything. But Mm -hmm. yeah, my family has definitely influenced that. My father is originally from Japan. He was born in Japan and he lived there for a while before he was adopted by my grandparents who then moved to Germany. So I do have some recipes in there. I've visited Japan, Kobe, Mm -hmm. Tokyo, and different places. And so I really love using different starches, for example. I know potato starch is something that they will use in things like chicken karage, Mm -hmm. which is like a fried chicken, basically. But the potato, the usage of the potato starch is what gives it its very hard, crunchy texture, which is something that I really love. And then also my vegan mac and cheese recipe was a nod to, at the time I was working for the American Heart Association. Mm -hmm. So obviously I wanted to have some recipes that were a bit healthy, but also tasted good because, you know, my family is Southern. I have my Southern roots, but at the same time I want to have good food. And so I have recipes in there that were developed with my family specifically in mind. I wanted to have things that they would enjoy but we're also healthy. Oh, awesome. Awesome. It's always good to have a healthy option, (laughs) especially as it comes to, you know, soul food. (laughs) Exactly. You know, you got to give and take a little bit. There's a lot of vegetables in there, which obviously there's a lot of vegetables consumed in soul food specifically. It just depends on how you prepare it. And I think a lot of people are used to everything being fried and, you know, Mm -hmm. lard. And some of it is, and that's the beauty of soul food. It can do that, and then you can have baked, and then yeah. you can have a bunch of vegetables, and then you can have soups. And I just love the creativity of soul food. Yeah, 
it's interesting, even when you look at different regions of the United States, how so yeah. varies the debates people have. Oh and, my God. The debates you know? are the worst. Yeah. They're the worst and the best. They're the worst <laughs> and the best. Soul food is, is so diverse, you know? You can't label it just one thing. And how I like something is not going to be how you like it. It's just not, you know? I might put a little bit of sugar in my greens. You may not, you know, right. but that's how, mm-hmm. that's how I was raised and that's okay. Yep, exactly. I actually <laughs> put sugar what? too. I'm still going to eat it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You're right. <laughs> you said you add sugar too? I add sugar to my greens as well. Hey, um, Gio, I knew I liked you. Yeah, so it's actually interesting. I grew up in Pennsylvania, uh-huh. just above Baltimore mm-hmm. and in Pennsylvania, oh, there is a large population and some of my family come from the Pennsylvania Dutch, which oh, are oh. actually okay. German. So yeah. it's interesting because that influences a lot of our dishes. And so yeah. one thing I grew up with that I don't do anymore is I always grew up putting butter and sugar on my rice, on my plain white rice. Oh, God, this connection is getting really bad. I'm going to have to go. No, I'm joking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't leave me. I knew you were joking. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So I didn't know that that had, um, that was Pennsylvania Dutch. Yep. Yep. So it it is because of the German influence. So yeah, um, it makes sense. It's interesting when you start to unpack how culture even can influence soul food, which is exactly what you were saying. Yeah. It's beautiful. It really is beautiful. And you just make your sugar and your, uh, your rice and you butter and you enjoy that. Yeah. So, (laughs) (laughs) so your soul food tours just celebrated one year in February. Yeah. So congratulations on that. I really appreciate it. And then also your book was released in January of this year, correct? Uh Uh-huh. Correct. So what is next for you in this space? I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) I am actually working on a concept. I've been, I guess you could say in production, I filmed one episode already, and I decided to do a show that is basically my bus tour, but more one-on-one. Nice. So it's going to be called Soul of a City, tentatively, and I will be visiting different parts of different cities right now, obviously, because I live in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'll be focusing on those areas and just visiting with some locals who are experts in different areas of the city. So we're going to have a lot of history experts on there and telling us some hidden history about the city of Dallas or the city of Fort Worth, so on and so forth. And we're also going to do that over a plate of food. So they're going to tell us why they've chosen that specific dish, or sometimes we may be at a Black-owned restaurant and mm-hmm. talk to them. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about it. And yeah, I'll be looking for that in the near future. Oh, I am very excited for that. So roughly how many cities do you have on the docket to visit right now? Whew, you know what? That's a excellent question. I'm starting off really slow because I'm paying for all of this myself. Mm-hmm. But if anyone wants to fund it. They are more than welcome (laughs) to. I will definitely send you my cash app. (laughs) But (laughs) as of right now, I'm going to focus on Dallas and Fort Worth. And then I have plans to hit possibly Tulsa, Oklahoma. You know, there's a lot of rich history there in Tulsa. 
And then also with Native Americans, Indigenous Americans. Mm-hmm. Well, if you ever come to Philly, you definitely have a tour guide. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm going to call you up on that. Yeah, yes, definitely do. So as I promised, I wanted to play a little game with you. <laughs> and because this is Table 86 and yes. Geo's Table is the blog mm-hmm. that this was birthed out of. Yes. Um, I have decided to have a table topic of the day. Okay. And uh, you still there? Yep. Awesome. So this table topic of the day is just a topic that I really thought about as I was thinking about this interview and you, uh-huh. and then also our discussion about the instant pot yeah. previously. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I have a question. Okay. So we're moving into fall. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things is crock pot recipes. Yes. So I don't know if you have any in your book, but what is your favorite crock pot recipe and why? <laughs> oh, you know what? I do not have any crock pot recipes in my book. If I did, it would probably be something pretty close to I do have a recipe for red wine braised short ribs and I remember the first time I had short ribs, I made them myself in a crock pot and I thought it was the best thing that had ever crossed my mouth. And I was just like blown away. But since then, I've kind of worked on it and tweaked it and tweaked it and it's even better. But definitely short ribs in a crock pot is my jam. So here goes why we are kindred spirits. Uh huh. I made red wine braised. <gasps> short ribs in my instant pot last night. And that is not a lie. That is not a lie. (laughs) See? And to the viewers, we didn't... Listeners, viewers, viewers, we didn't even plan that. We didn't plan it. Yeah, I (laughs) wanted to make a short rib recipe and it was actually a happy accident. We didn't I have wish any, I could taste them. I know. We didn't have any broth <laughs> in the house. We didn't have any broth. So the only like liquid I had that I could think of <laughs> was red wine. Um, it sounds really good. It was fantastic. And it was done in like 30 minutes flat. Oh my God. Super tender. And they were amazing. So I want to thank you so much for being one of the first guests on my show. Um, and supporting me in this endeavor. It was fantastic to hear your stories and to learn more about the bus tour and your book and your personal history and all the fun things that you're doing. I wanted to ask how people can find you on your different mediums. So how can people find you if they want to get in touch or learn more about the bus tour or your book? Yeah. So you can definitely find more about the bus tours. Just go to soulofdfw.com soul of dfw dallas fort worth.com the fw is because if you hadn't guessed we're expanding to fort worth and we'll be doing two major cities that's going to be coming up within the next couple of months i should have mentioned that also (laughs) and then as far as me myself personally you can find out more about me at what dd says and also at my website diamitchell.com. Awesome. And what DD says is on Instagram? I am on Instagram and on Twitter. 